You're listening to Local Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you to be with and follow Jesus. Enjoy the sermon. All right. Welcome and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. We are doing the book of Luke. I don't know about this. <laughs> That's good. We are doing the book of Luke. Um, if you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 7. And when these kids came into the camp, they came with a lot of swag, a lot of attitude, a lot of like, you don't tell me what to do. And it could be a struggle, a struggle for these kids to respect your authority, understand your authority. And so my buddy and I, we found... We found the key. We found the key to just gaining these kids' respect right out of the gate. And here's what we would do. The kids would get off the bus, they'd register, and right, right off the registration table, there was this basketball court. Nice little full-court basketball court. And one of the cool things about this court, cool for us, was it had eight-foot hoops. Eight-foot hoops. Uh, a normal basketball hoop, for those who don't know, is a 10 feet. So this is two feet shorter than, than a regulation hoop. And most of these kids were coming from real kind of basketball culture. So they loved basketball. They'd come out. And me and my buddy, and my buddy was a good basketball player, better, better than me, and I'm a decent basketball player. What we found, what we would do, is we would play us two against all of the kids, full-court basketball. And the key, here was the key. The key was we would destroy them. We would absolutely destroy them. There, we could give them no mercy. So if they took a shot, we would do everything we could to swat that shot right out of the court. And just, boom, get that out of here! You are in my house now, boy! And it was eight foot hoops so we could dunk everything which we would do. And we'd just be throwing alley-oops to each other and dunking it. And right after we dunk, we'd just walk up to the kid, trash talk him, just let him know what's up. It's like, you just got dunked on, boy. You got dunked on. Now, you might think this is mean. You might think this is a cruel way to welcome kids to a Christian camp. No, 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 no. By the end of this game, we were just under God level to these kids. Utmost respect. If we said jump, they would say how hot. The attitude would be completely gone. I kid you not. These kids would walk off the bus just like, and within a half hour of this two-on-everyone basketball, they're just like, "Um, what do you want me to do, sir? Thank you, sir. Like, it was just transformational. Why? They understood that we had authority on the basketball court. That we were a higher authority than them on the basketball court. And once they understood our authority, because basketball was so important to them, because basketball was so pivotal to them, and we earned their respect and revealed our authority, they then would respect that authority in every other avenue. As a matter of fact, to just one extra thing, to show you how far our authority went, if it, lest you think I'm exaggerating it, my buddy and I, his name is Ryan, we started a synchronized swimming class at the camp. And after this basketball game, we would, kids could register for any class they wanted. There's multiple different classes like rock climbing and 
um, I don't know, frisbee golf, and like all these, you know, camp things you could do. And one of them was synchronized swimming class. You know what the first class to fill up was after this basketball game every single week, week after week after week? Synchronized swimming class with Jake and Ryan. Middle school boys from the hood signing up for that. It'd fill out. And by the end, I could get I could get a kid that came off the bus cussing and swearing within three or four days in the pool doing this. Eep, 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 as part of a synchronized swimming routine that we would perform in front of not just our camp, but the neighboring camp at the end of the week. And it was phenomenal. Why? Respected our authority. Our command of the court. Because we are phenomenal basketball players on eight-foot hoops. I'm also very good on a Fisher-Price hoop as well. Those are the two areas where my game shines, in case you're wondering. Chapter 7 of Luke, what's going on here? After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. So a centurion, that's for the word century, means a hundred, right? So a centurion was a Roman commander, a commanding officer, who oversaw century, a hundred men, okay? So this Roman officer that oversaw a hundred men, he's a high commanding officer. That's who this is. He has a servant, a servant who he loves, a servant who is close to him. So what do we know about this man? We know that he is a high commanding officer, Probably fairly wealthy. He has servants. And he seems to be tenderhearted. He doesn't um, dislike his servants, but this is a servant he loves and cares for, right? These are a few things we are learning about this man. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him, el he s sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus... They pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. So what do you see? He loves the Jewish people. So he's likely a Roman centurion um, that loves Jewish people, um, lo loves God's people. In fact, loves them enough that he helped finance, helped moved the paperwork, helped through the bureaucracy, used his authority, used his funding to build these guys a synagogue. And they come to Jesus, and this is interesting, they come to Jesus and they say, heal his servant. Why? Because he's worthy of it. Because he's worthy of it. Uh, kind of shows where their understanding of religion is still, right? Like, how? why is he worthy? Because they've earned. They've He's earned it by building us his synagogue and loving God's people. Um, I've been to a, a couple Catholic funerals. Um, there are Catholics that love Jesus, absolutely, but there are differences, differences in the faith. Um, one of those differences, I remember one of the funerals, they shared why we could have some confidence um, that this man who had passed away was, was in heaven. And they said one of the reasons we could have confidence is because the amount of money he had donated to a part of the building in that church. They said his name is actually on the plaque for the donation for this part. But just in case, they said, but just in case, 
you do incense around the dead body. Why? That incense is hopefully making the body more presentable, more receptive, that it can be received in heaven. And then that's not enough. You need to get to the holy water. And what do you do with the holy water? You sprinkle the coffin, well, all the way around the coffin. And during this time, while you're sprinkling, you are saying specific prayers that this body will be accepted. That this body will be worthy. Like the centurion, they're going, look, Jesus, he is worthy. He donated all this money for the synagogue. He is loving to your people. He is worthy for you to do this for him. They're, they're, you can see their understanding of religion is, Jesus, look, he has scratched your back. Now you scratch his. Now you scratch his. And Jesus went with them when he was not far from the house. So Jesus is going along with them. He's heading towards the house. He's heading to go heal this servant. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy. Do you see the difference between the centurion and these elder leaders? No, no, he says, I am not worthy. Not worthy for what? I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. What did we see here? This is a man that understands at least some of who Jesus is. Here's this high-ranking commanding officer, seemingly very wealthy, seemingly very influential. And if we go through the Gospels, most of the times when we read about people that are high up, people that are wealthy, people that seem to have major influence, most of the times they really see themselves on equal footing or above Jesus. We won't look at all the examples now, but think of the ones you do know and then pay attention even as we go through Luke you will often see that like not so with the centurion he says I'm not worthy I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof he's not going to Jesus he doesn't send his friends to Jesus with the message saying I'm worthy he's not sending the message don't you know I built the synagogue don't you know I've loved your people? Don't you know who I am? No, no, he's sending the message, I'm not worthy. What is he doing? He's calling upon the mercy of Jesus. This is completely different than religion. This isn't the body has now been sprinkled with holy water. Will you receive it? This is you are a merciful God. Will you extend mercy? You are a merciful one. Will you extend mercy? You are gracious. Will you have grace? Because I am not worthy. And then he says this, Therefore I did not presume to come to you. So he is a man fleeing presumption. Fleeing presumption. It makes me think about our prayers. How often do our prayers have presumption in them? That we're thinking like, God, you owe me this. If I did this, and we pray with presumption. God, I've done this for you and this for you and this for you. Surely, 
You're going to do this for me. But no, he says, therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And what do we see here that, we, that the centurion understands? The centurion understands authority. He's a man under authority, he says. He's got people, commanders over him. But he's also a man high in command, high in the chain of command, that has people under him. And he says, these people under me understand my authority. And so when I say this, they do it. And when I speak that, they do it. And when I say, look, you're going to want to sign up for synchronized swimming this week. You're going to sign up right away because they see the athletic authority on the eight-foot hoops. He understands authority and he understands chain of command. Chain of command. And that's what this sermon is about. Jesus is at the top of the chain of command. Jesus is at the top of the chain of command over everything. And Jesus marvels. Let's look at this. It says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Great faith, a faith that Jesus marvels at. One of the things we'll see in Scripture, church, is it doesn't matter if you're wealthy and influential. It doesn't matter if you're poor and broken. It doesn't matter if you're healthy or sick. The thing that Jesus will marvel at is your faith. Will you place your faith in Jesus? Will you place your faith in Jesus? Jesus is inclusive to all who put their faith in him. He's inclusive to all that place their faith in him. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Jesus healed him. He healed him. They make this proclamation. They leave and come home. He's healed. Now check this out. Jesus didn't go to the house. Jesus didn't lay hands on him. It was exactly how the centurion said. He said, you can just say it and it's done. You can just say it and it's done. Now, this is important for us to understand as a church who believes that God heals and we believe that Jesus is at the top of the chain of command over healing. But oftentimes you get two extremes in today's church. One, we don't believe God heals anymore. So we just avoid it altogether. Or two, God heals, but because he heals because we're worthy of it. And how do we prove our worthiness of him healing? Oftentimes, um, 
It's through tons of emotions. Like, oh man, we have the most emotional service. We have people rolling around. We have people crying. Now God's going to start healing. Heal, heal, heal. Oftentimes we believe that we're the ones that can command the healing. Right? And we go and see these faith healers. And these faith healers get big crowds and are televangelists. They get tons of money. And they're the ones healing, healing, healing. Like they're the top of the chain of command and healing. They are not at the top of the chain of command and healing. Jesus is at the top of the chain of command. And Jesus, he doesn't need the music just right. He doesn't need uh, people rolling around perfectly. He doesn't need all the emotions and tears. He doesn't even need to go under this man's roof for it to happen. He heals when he wants to heal. We can't command him to heal. Right? I've seen that a lot of times. It's like the faith healer situation, they go and they're just like, you're healed. Boom. In the name of Jesus. And the person's not healed. Like, I saw this um, not too long ago. A guy who had hurt ankle. And um, someone prayed for him. And was like, the ankle is healed. It's done. You're better. And he's like, how do you feel? And he's like, oh, it's pretty good. Um, I guess it's pretty good. You know, people are crying. It's like, it's better. Yes. And then um, I talked to the guy a week later. And I'm like, how's your ankle? He's like, it's exactly the same. Exactly the same. And he's like, but the guy commanded that it was healed. Well, it doesn't matter because that guy's not in the top of the chain of command of healing. We don't command healing. We're not the top of the chain of command. We got no, zero, none power. Any of you here has an ache, a sickness, a pain? If I command it to go away, it's still going to be there. We can request. We can make requests, which is what the centurion did. The centurion didn't come to Jesus and say, I'm a centurion. I oversee 100 people. I oversee you. Heal my servant. No, 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 no. He says, you can heal him. I'm not worthy for you even to come under my roof. I want to make this request. And so, church, we can request that the one that is at the top of the chain of command over healing heals. We can, hopefully, Jesus will marvel at our faith of our understanding Of the chain of command. Of the chain of command. It is not marvelous faith when people go around commanding this, saying this, saying that, as if they're top of the chain of command when they're not. And then they blame you for your lack of faith. You see that? Faith healer, faith in the faith healer world, just like, be healed of this, be healed of that. Are you not healed? Well, you got a lack of faith. Right? And it, causes all sorts of emotional issues for people and church baggage and hurt and confusion and did I not have enough faith and what happened here no no we can't we don't get to command this we are not in authority over healing we get to request it of the commanding officer and he decides when he is going to graciously heal and when he is not and he has promised us that one day we'll all raise again resurrected with glorious imperishable heavenly bodies then we'll be perfectly healed, and that will be great. In the meantime, sometimes he answers our requests in this area, and sometimes he doesn't. Either way, he's the top of the chain of command and has a perfect reason for why he would or wouldn't respond to our request. But we must understand. Uh, something a mentor told me is this idea of naturally supernatural, which some of you guys have heard me before. I mean, do we believe in the supernatural? Yes, but let God naturally do it. 
meaning you don't have to get all of the emotions. You don't have to get the music just right. You don't have to get the perfect crowds. You don't have to get the spiritual antennas up, and it's like, now healing's happening. Those are just mostly, that's just, honestly, from what I've seen and what i experienced for show. Jesus can just naturally do supernatural things. Sometimes he gives you a dream. Sometimes he speaks a vision or word. Sometimes he heals. But it's going to happen in a natural way, not because you stirred it up. Another way of saying this is let God be God because God is God. Let God be God because God is God. You're not going to twist his arm with any of this stuff, and it's silly if we think we are. Um, that's not the way it works in any chain of command situation, right? If a low-ranking officer just marches into a room of generals and high-ranking admirals and all this stuff and just marches into this room and is like, I say you're going here and we're doing the troops here and we're going, this is what we're going to do this morning and straighten up and I got faith it's going to happen. What's going to happen to that low ranking? <laughs> like, do you want to imagine what that, how that's going to go for this person? <laughs> you better hope those are merciful commanding officers. <laughs> it's not going to go well. Jesus is at the top of the chain of command. Uh, I want to uh, look at a couple other stories in Luke. Let's look at Luke, and we don't have, these are stories that could go full sermons on their own, so we're just going to look at them quickly, but Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Take a look at this Pharisee and what I was talking about earlier of those that are like, Oh, I'm, I'm equal with Jesus. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching of him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Just look at the difference between th this Pharisee and the centurion. Isn't it night and day? Like he's sitting there judging Jesus. He totally thinks he's on even ground. Now he thinks he's above ground because he's like, oh, if this guy was anything special, he would know what kind of woman had just come in here? It's a woman of the night. A certain money letter lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, 
Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's a beautiful story, and one of the things we see that this woman understands is she understands the chain of command when it comes to forgiveness of our sins. One of the things that I've heard and people slip into is they commit a sin, they commit a harm, they do something horrible, awful, and maybe you've heard this phrase, I, or maybe you've said this phrase or thought this phrase, I could never forgive myself. You ever heard this or said this? And others maybe forgive me for it, but I can't forgive myself. Let me tell you one problem with that statement. Or maybe before we say the problem. I understand that Jesus forgives me, but I, I don't forgive myself. Here's the problem with that statement. You are not the top of the chain of command when it comes to forgiveness of sins. Even for your own own sins you've committed. You don't get to make that decision. You're not the top of the chain of command. Jesus. Jesus is the top of the chain of command. And Jesus offers this woman forgiveness and she understands that this is the man and she throws herself at his feet. Throws herself at his feet, calling upon his mercy just as the centurion called upon his mercy, understanding this is the one who is in authority, has authority to heal. This is the one who has authority to forgive. Church, are you throwing yourself at the feet of the one who has authority to heal, who has authority to forgive? One of the things we read this week in our Bible reading plan, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says this for he says in a favorable favorable time I listened to you and in a day of salvation I have helped you behold now is the favorable time behold now is the day of salvation the one who is in authority the one who is the top of the chain of command Jesus has set this time right now this age this era that we're living in this is the day of salvation. If you need forgiveness of sins, if you are looking for salvation, don't put it off till later. If you are stuck in a sin, don't put it off till later. The right time to repent, the right time to turn to Jesus, the right time to throw yourself at his feet and ask for forgiveness is now, because now is the favorable time. Now is the time of mercy. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time that the one that is at the top of the chain of command and has all authority is offering forgiveness of sins. And there will be a day where this one who is authority is going to come back, judge the living and the dead, and the time of salvation and the time for forgiveness of sins will have passed. It will have passed. Receive his forgiveness today. And who do you know that doesn't yet know this, that doesn't know the one who offers forgiveness, who doesn't yet know that now is the time of salvation? Who might God be calling you to to share that good news with? Let's look at another story, chapter 8, verse 22. Chapter 8, verse 22. 
One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, master, master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? See, Jesus is at the top of the chain of command over all of nature. Over all of nature. He is an absolute authority. He is the top of chain of command, even over nature. Even the wind and waves obey him. As a Washingtonians who just went through the coldest April on record, this would be nice to have that under your belt. I wish I was kind of top chain of command over that. Sunshine every day, 75 degrees. But I'm not... He is the top of chain of command over healing, over forgiveness, over even nature. If we go on to the next story, Jesus is going to heal a man with demons. Um, Look at this, verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Weird story. Weird story. Just crazy demon-possessed man, like chained up, the chains can't hold him, just like overwhelmed with demons but what do you see jesus steps onto the stage and we see that jesus is the top of the chain of command over all of the unseen realm over the spiritual realm that even the demons understand like no you are the one in authority isn't it interesting these demons call upon the mercy of jesus don't throw us into the abyss yet just throw us into some pigs throw us over there they even understand This is the man, the top of the chain of command. He has all spiritual authority. You might have come across this where uh, another poor theology, poor teaching that will happen where people are commanding angels. And they're praying to angels and they command angels. And this can leak in. This is bad theology. We don't pray to angels or command angels. You can pray, hey, Jesus, you know, send your angels to help that is fine, but we pray to Jesus. You don't have any authority over the spiritual realm. We're not at the top of the chain of command there. But we can make requests to the one that is. 
there's darkness, spiritual warfare. We actually feel like Jesus is calling us to flood darkness with his light. We want to push back demons and darkness, but we're not going to do it with our own power. We're going to do it following Jesus and calling upon Jesus to push back the lies, the accusations, the demonic works and influences in our city, in our area. When it's pushing in on us, we want to kick down the gates of hell with Jesus. Actually, Jesus is the one kicking them down. We're just joining them. Amen? Jesus has all authority. He is the top of the chain of command over all of creation, over nature, over sickness, over sins. This is the reality. Jesus is at the top of the chain of command. He is in all authority. Here's my question. Are you living with that reality in mind? Or are you living in a fantasy? Are you living in the reality that Jesus is at the top of the chain of command? Are you leaking into these fantasies where you have more authority than you actually do? That you're more worthy than you actually are? If, if you're living in that fantasy, I'll tell you a story. When I was in college, I, um, another sporting exploit, I'll tell you, uh, I captained a flag football team at the University of Washington. This flag football team won the intramural Rainier A Intramural flag football champions. Okay, big deal. This is a big deal. Our photo was in the University of Washington gym for five years. It stays up for five whole years on the wall. My picture. Champion. Played in Husky Stadium. Championship game. And I love playing football. I was a receiver. And what I was good at was just making, like, little moves and, and good hands would catch everything. And I would, I would sometimes, I'm a bit of a dreamer um, and a visionary, and, and I like to sometimes fantasize about things as well. And fantasy can be fun. And, and sometimes I lay down in bed and I just think about, man, that catch I made. And well, wait, maybe what if, what if I really put everything into it? Like, what could I have been a pro football player? And if I was just a little bit bigger or a little faster? And, man, it just... Yeah, yeah, imagine what it'd be like to win the Super Bowl, right? Wear a Seahawks jersey, win the Super Bowl, and everyone's like, yes, this is the greatest receiver, right? And it can be fun to just kind of dream about those, and what would I do in the NFL? I'd just make a diving catch, and oh, and everyone would go nuts, and it's just, yes! Well, some of you know that after college, shortly after college, I worked in sports television, um, and one of my jobs was to cover the Seahawks and work with Seahawks All Access. And I remember one of the first practices, because um, if you guys know me, I consider myself a bit of an athlete, and I like to let you know a little bit about my athletic exploits in every sermon. Um, and I remember going to the first Seahawks practice, and I was watching defense linemen uh, do these defense alignment drills. And these, these men are anywhere between six foot two and six foot six, anywhere between about 290 to 350, 60 pounds. Six foot two to six foot six, all pure muscle. But in my like fantasy mind, 
I know I'm not that size. I never fantasize about being that big. But I'm quick, and I got good hands, right? And I'm shifty. And I remember watching these guys run 40-yard dashes, run shuttles, run with every single one of them. It's twice my speed. At least. They're twice as fast as me. They're twice as quick as me. And they're like five times my size and strength. Any fantasy that I ever had about playing in the NFL, being a pro football player out there with my fancy hands, like it would be, 10 minutes of practice, I would be dead. Have you unleashed any one of these guys on me? I would die. Like, I would die. Like, they, if I got hit once, literally, this little guy, this cute little guy, would disintegrate. Like, it just literally just boom. Like, your fantasy drop, when you watch them this close, like I'd be this close, standing right here to where Ezra was, and I'm watching these just monster men, and they are way faster than me, way quicker than me. They jump way higher than me. I remember seeing them hit the pads, and like, and I've hit a pad before, like just go out in the field and just for fun, run up, and just like, boom, you know, like look at me, boom, hitting that pad. And I remember watching these guys hit this pad at full speed, and it's just, oh, boom, and the pad just, boom, ships, and it's like, can you imagine getting hit by that guy? Getting hit by that guy. Like, literally, wouldn't ever walk again if I played five minutes out there. So there's fantasy, and there's reality. Fantasy. Yeah, I won an intramural flag football game, and I'm a d decent at catching, and could beat middle schoolers maybe, right? Could maybe play JV in high school now reality. These guys are superhuman beings. <laughs> Not just, and they're unreal. Their athleticism makes my, any athleticism I thought I had look so, so pedestrian that it's silly. It is a fantasy. Church, it can be fun to dream. It can be fun to be in fantasy, but reality is reality. It'd be fun. It's fun to play football with my friends and picture being a pro and imagine being out in the stadium. But I would be an absolute idiot to quit my job and put all of my energy into trying to make the NFL. It would be foolish and ridiculous. Sometimes spiritually we are living in a fantasy. And Jesus is inviting us into reality. And reality is he is the one in all authority. He is the top of the chain of command. Church, I encourage you to live for reality. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. How do we begin to live in reality? Before I get into this verse, one last very, very important thing. Jesus is at the top of the chain of command and has authority over even death. Lived our life, died our death on the cross, rose again three days later, proving that he has authority over death. Proving he has authority over death. And that that is a reality. And so then, how do we live? Verse 9 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians says it this way. 
So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Church, make it your aim, your aim in life to please your commanding officer, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says this. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Our aim, our aim is to please our commanding officer, the one that's top of the chain man. We live to please Jesus. Number two, for your own health, the health of your soul, live in tune with the chain of command. When you're constantly trying to be God, be in control, take control, prove your worthiness, fall into those religious traps where you're like, okay, I woke up early, I did my seeing Jesus together, I journaled it, I prayed for people, I got these things out to get, okay, all right, I'm worthy, commanding officer today. No, 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 we're just, just fall upon his grace day after day. Oh, I haven't done this sin for six days. Now I bet I can pray. No, no, no. Just fall upon his mercy day after day after day. He is the one who gives forgiveness. Live in tune with the chain of command, and it'll make your life smoother. It will be harmony. Constantly trying to battle the chain of command of life. Trying to play God. Trying to be God. Trying to earn God's favor is not the way the chain of command flows and it'll cause your soul disharmony. It will cause your soul to be out of tune. But if you surrender yourself to the one who is in all authority, make it your aim to please him. You'll begin to find that your soul is falling in to its rightful harmony. Its rightful harmony. It would be completely foolish and out of harmony and fantasy for me to give up everything, spend every waking moment trying to make the NFL. But I'm in perfect harmony playing catch with my kids with the football and watching a game here and then. That's just, that's a good football harmony for me. Chris and I can beat m most, most people at our turkey bowl. We get on the same team, we usually win. No big deal. That's about our football harmony. It gets any better than that game, and that would probably be, we'd, we'd it'd be out of place. Also, we can't move for like a week after, <laughs> and that's two-hand touch. So that's harmony for us. Once a year, two-hand touch. Number three, our aim is to please him. Number two, our health. We'll find ourselves a healthier soul when we're in harmony with the chain of command. And number three, our gratitude. Our gratitude. That we're grateful for the mercy that the one in authority has for us. 
that we're grateful for this never-ending mercy, that we're grateful. The Scripture says that He died for our sake. He died so that we might live. And so we make it our aim to please Him. We make it our aim to please Him, to fall in harmony with Him, but then also with grateful hearts. He died for our sake, so now let's live for His sake. Amen? Not to earn His favor but out of a heart of gratitude that we are so grateful for this generous, merciful one that is in all authority. We get to live with Jesus and for Jesus. And we get to live in light of reality, not pretending or trying to be God, but worshiping, adoring, obeying, and enjoying the one who actually is God. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the one in authority. Would you help us have faith in the true chain of command? Lord, give us faith like this centurion that you marveled at. You marveled that he understood chain of command. It shows, it shows, reveals how difficult it is for us as humans that this would be, this would be something that shocked you. There's a human that understands supernatural chain of command. There's a human. Jesus marveled at this faith. Lord, would you give us this faith? We need help every single day to realize the one who is in authority. We shouldn't. It's silly. The sun rises and sets. We're not the one who makes it do that. The stars come out. We're not the ones that make it do that. We didn't create the forest. We didn't create lungs that can breathe in and breathe out oxygen. We didn't do any of this, and yet we live as if we're in some sort of, by some sort of fantasy that we're more powerful and have more authority than we actually do and we don't. And Lord, forgive us for that. Forgive us for all the times that we try to be in control of things we're not in control of. We're not, we don't, things that we cannot command, we try to command. And it causes us anxiety, and it causes us discouragement, and it causes us depression. And Lord, would you forgive us and help us to just realize, whoa, here's something I'm not in control of. I, I, I'm going to bring a humble request to the one who is. Whoa, here's another area. I have no authority, no power, no ability to, to, to do anything about. I'm just going to bring a humble request to the one who can. Lord, help us to have faith in understanding of supernatural chain of command. To know our place in this chain of command, which is below you, and understand you are the top. You have all authority over healing, all authority over forgiveness, all authority over the supernatural. Even the wind and the waves obey you. Give us humble faith like the centurion. Help us be like the woman who fell at your feet. Let us worship and adore you. Men and women that come to your feet, crying out for your mercy, crying out for your forgiveness. And then, Lord, let us let us live lives of such gratitude. I thank you that we don't have to wonder if you've given us forgiveness. Your word proclaims that you have. We don't have to wonder if we'll be made right with you. 
your word proclaims that we have. We don't have to wonder if this world will be okay. Your word proclaims that one day you will come back. Heaven and earth will meet and all things will be made new. And sin will be gone and death will be gone. And sickness will be gone. We thank you and praise you for that. Help us to be men and women and children that have great faith in the chain of command, understanding that Jesus is the one in all authority. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Local church, Jesus is in all authority. This is good news. He is in all authority, and he is gracious and he is merciful, and he is loving, and he is forgiving, and he is good. Fall under his gracious leadership. Follow him. Enjoy him, and invite others to do the same. Go in peace. Be the local church. Thank you for listening to Local Church Podcast. To learn more about our Jesus community, visit us at www.localchurchgh.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.